0: Our first reading tonight is from Genesis chapter 22, and we'll be jumping into kind of the middle of a story of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. And uh, note uh, that this reading, what's contained in this reading, will be referred to in our second reading from Hebrews. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham said, I'm here. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy, do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked around and saw that behind him there was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. So it is said to this day, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you greatly, and I will multiply your descendants greatly. Like the stars of the sky and like the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the city gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thank you. Our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 6. And we want each of you to continue to show the same eagerness so that you may have the full assurance of your hope until the end. Our goal is that you would not become lazy, but imitators of those who inherited the promise through faith and patient endurance. For God made a promise to Abraham, and since God had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. He said, I will most certainly bless you and make you increase in number. And so in this way, after Abraham had waited patiently, he received the promise. To be sure, people swear by someone who is greater, and the oath serves as a confirmation for them that ends all disputes because god wanted to show the heirs of the promise with even greater certainty that his plan was unchangeable he guaranteed his promise with an oath he did this so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible that god would lie we who have fled for refuge by taking hold of this hope that is held out to us might have strong encouragement we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is sure and firm, and it goes behind the inner curtain where Jesus entered ahead of us on our behalf, because he became a high priest forever, like Melchizedek.: O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Thank you: Grace, mercy and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I give Christian instruction with the catechism, I warn people against using the phrase, I swear to God. Very often, that phrase becomes a kind of verbal tick. It is similar to how people can fall into the habit of saying, oh my God, or Jesus, when they're not, in fact, calling upon God for help in their trouble. And that is taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, which is to say taking it in no purpose. It is a misuse of God's name when we use his name and don't really mean it. God says in his Ten Commandments that he will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So if you say... I swear to God, you better be serious. Saying something serious and very solemn, such as you would if you were giving testimony in a court of law after having sworn to God. That is the purpose for swearing, it is to say something very serious and truthful. So, what would it mean for God to swear? That is what you heard God do in our first reading from Genesis. We say, I swear to God, because by doing so, we are calling upon someone much greater than we are, and there's nothing greater than God, so when God swore, he had to swear by himself. Our reading says, I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you greatly, and so on. Swearing means that we are to be very serious and very truthful, and God is already, always, and only truthful, and then he swears on top of that, and then he makes his promises to Abraham. What would be the right way for Abraham to receive what God said to him? Abraham should believe it. And in fact, Abraham did believe, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When God swears, you should believe it. God wanted Abraham to believe his promises and that's why God swore by himself, so that Abraham should be left with no doubt. God wanted Abraham to have complete and unshakable hope that God would do what he promised to do. And, of course, since God is God, he can make his promises come true. Likewise, you should believe what God has said to you. God has baptized you. In that holy name of his. You were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Recall what Jesus and the scriptures say about your baptism. It is a new birth whereby you can see the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood can't see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again by the water and by the Holy Spirit. Your baptism is a union with Christ, two becoming one. By baptism, you are united with Christ in a death like his. So you'll be united with him in a resurrection like his. By being united with Christ through baptism, you receive everything that is his. You receive everything that is Jesus's. You receive his victory over the devil. And over death, and Jesus' righteousness is yours, and Jesus' eternal life is yours, all of this and more, in fact, everything has been communicated to you in baptism. And you know God did this to you. God joined his promise to water so that it was not just words that are here and then gone. He joined it to water so that it's an event People saw it. We know that it happened. You need not have any doubt. I could speak more about baptism. And I could speak very similarly about the other sacrament, the Lord's Supper. What tremendous promises have been given with the body and the blood. I could speak of promises and declarations that Jesus and his apostles make that don't have that outward, physical element that goes with the sacrament. So you should not foolishly think, wouldn't it be nice if I could be like Abraham? Wouldn't it be nice for God to swear by himself and then speak to me and bless me? That's foolish because what has been communicated to you Isn't in any way inferior to what God communicated to Abraham. If anything, you have promises and signs that are more profound. What can be more profound than being joined as one together with God's Son or eating his body and drinking his blood? God has made his promises to you, he made promises to Abraham. He has an heir inheritance for you that is infinitely greater than the land of Canaan, which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God solemnly and truthfully wants you to believe in the hope that he's given to you. Now, may you be like Abraham. Abraham believed God when God spoke these things to him and it was credited to him as righteousness, may you be like Abraham. But that's harder than it sounds. Believing sounds like it should be so easy. But, in fact, it must be worked by the Holy Spirit, if it is to be genuine. For some reason, we don't tend to think, first and foremost, of God's promises to us when we think about how we are as christians when for example was the last time that you thought about all those riches of baptism that i laid out for you just a minute ago when did you think of those last when was the last time you thought of being personally united with the son of god united in his death united in his resurrection everything that christ has is yours has it been a while what perhaps have you been thinking about instead? Maybe you've been saying to yourself or to God, well, you see, I've been working on this self-improvement project, and that self-improvement project is going somewhat well, and I've almost licked this bad habit, and that bad habit is the next one that's on my list, and so on and so forth. By the way, we talk to ourselves about ourselves, about our Christianity a person might be led to believe that our hope is not in what God can do for us, but in what we do for ourselves. As though, first and foremost, we must be trying harder. That's what it's all about. That's ridiculous. However, if you'll only think about it. Imagine if Abraham had done that. God swears by himself, solemnly, truthfully, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you like crazy. And then Abraham responds by saying, Well, you see, I've got this little project I'm working on for myself. I've made a list, and every morning I just... If Abraham were to respond to God like that, we'd have to say, "Uh, Abraham... You're not paying attention. You're not hearing what God has just said. Why are you talking about yourself? Abraham's strength and our strength is not and never will be in ourselves. The strength of God's people is and always will be in the promises of God. God says, I have done this and that for you, I am doing this and that for you, and I will do this and that for you. God's actions, past, present, and future, are our hope as Christians. God's actions, promised to us in his word, are what will make good things happen for us, and not our own actions. Christians, First and foremost, are receivers instead of doers. You see this in Abraham. God chose Abraham. God made his promises to Abraham. It was all up to God. And so it is with you. God chose you. God has made his promises to you. Why? God loves the unlovable. God loves you. God loves his son, Jesus, who joined himself to us sinners. God then, accordingly, speaks lovingly to you. You are receivers of God's love through his promises. And I'd like to remind you, enjoy that. God's enemies, including our own sinful flesh, do not want us to meditate on such things. God's enemies want us to think about almost anything else besides God's solemn and truthful promises of grace and salvation. God's enemies would rather have us think about our improvement projects if they can't get us to think of anything nastier, anything that will keep us from meditating upon God's message of love to us sinners. I'm sure that it is God's enemies that are to blame for why we do not think more often on these tremendous promises that God gives, but we should. It's good. We will meditate on mere human words of love or mere human promises. I'm sure there have been times when someone you respect or someone you love has said something nice to you. And we would like to mull over that experience, what they said and how they said it. and What does it look like from this angle? What does it look like from that angle? Or just with human promises. Somebody promises you something and who knows if they can actually deliver it. But as soon as they promise it, you start mulling it over. How will it be? What will it look like? That is what you should do with God's promises to you. Not only can you do this, it's allowed. It is, in fact, your strength as a Christian. The more you think about God's promises to you, the better off you are. The hope you have in God's promises will be like an anchor for your soul, as our reading from Hebrews says, and that anchor of hope holds firm and sure in God, who does not lie, and that anchor holds no matter how hard the cold winds blow. This is what we see in Abraham and in all the examples of faith that are given in the Bible, their hope held firm in God's promise of grace to them god was for them they believed and many and various things happened to them even horrifying or tragic things occasionally occurred to them but god remains faithful so do not imagine that it is indulgent or that it's a waste of time or you know it already to mull over and savor the goodness of God's promises to you. The more you think about what God has done to you and will do to you in baptism, the better. The more you believe that the body and blood of Christ is effectual and beneficial and salutary, the better. That is your strength. Hope is your strength as a Christian. God will not disappoint you when you hope in him the peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.